Coaches Off The Cuff podcast with me, your host, Michelle Walker. This podcast is for anyone who wants to gain first-rate information on how to achieve your dream body. I want to expand your understanding on the health and fitness industry. This podcast will feature fitness professionals and we will delve into everything you need to know about health, nutrition, exercise and something I'm passionate about, bodybuilding and bro science. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Hi, Laura. Welcome to Coaches Off The Cuff. Honestly, it's my pleasure to have you on here. Just listening to you um, on the app Clubhouse when we first spoke, it was just inspiring. I was desperate to get hold of you um, to voice exactly what I heard. And hopefully we can get, you know, get everything in on this episode so we can speak about, you know, and cover a lot to do with endometriosis, your findings, your research. And I think a lot of women out there are definitely going to be keen, um, you know, to sit back and listen to what we've got to say, really. So I'll just like to begin. Um, would you like to introduce yourself and, and tell the audience exactly what you do um, and just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here to speak to you about such an important topic um, mm -hmm. with you and your audience. So I am Laura Ibragimova, and I am a health and wellness coach, and I specialize in stress and anxiety relief with, with for ambitious women with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. um, I personally have uh, been diagnosed with endometriosis. So this is where my passion comes from to help other people understand their current situation and be, have more information so that they can make better informed dis uh, d discoveries and decisions related to their condition so that they can continue to live the life that they want to live. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a background in healthcare policy and nutrition. I'm also a certified yoga instructor and meditation coach. So, you know, from a holistic perspective and an educational perspective, like this has just been my life for, for many years. So wow, I'm wow. very happy to, to be here and to spread awareness. Yeah. Wow. Well, welcome. And it, it's, as you know, it's something that I'm really passionate about because, you know, they do call us endo warriors. Um, and I am keen to, to, to raise awareness as you are. So, so having said that, then we'll just delve into a couple of questions that I've got for you that I know that, you know, listeners are going to be desperate to hear. Now, if you don't mind sharing with us, Laura, um, what age were you diagnosed with endometriosis and what was, you, what was your story um, to, just to begin with uh, for us to break this down? Sure. So I was officially diagnosed at the age of 24, I'm 32 now. So I've been living with it, um, or at least aware of that I have it for about um, eight years now. Mm -hmm. um, but thinking back, and especially having done so much more research on endometriosis, I realized that it started a lot earlier than that. It just wasn't diagnosed and I wasn't really aware of what was going on in my body. Um, the reason that I started getting checkups was because I started noticing very acute um, throbbing pain in my pelvic region. And I thought it was a UTI or something like that. And I was actually going to specialists for UTIs because I would get those frequently as well. Um, and the doctors just didn't really have much of an answer for me. And they would give me the antibiotics and I would just kind of go on that treatment plan and move forward. So I finally 
met with a gynecologist and she was like, okay, well, let's see what's going on. She did a sonogram and the sonogram showed um, about five centimeter cysts on my right ovary, right. which is already a pretty advanced stage. Um, if you get to the point of having cysts, that's already an advanced mm -hmm. stage of endometriosis. And interestingly enough, I didn't have other debilitating symptoms that other women often talk about or describe where they have, you know, really strong pain or cramping. Um, I did have uncomfortable periods. Mm -hmm. Uh, and they were heavy and they did last for, you know, a full week, but they weren't, they, it didn't seem abnormal to me because since I got my period at the age of 11, they were always like heavy and lasted a, a full week. So I just thought that that was normal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting point you make there actually that we think it's normal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it is, it is a massive, if you think about if you put it in in perspective that the, that you know people are thinking that these things are normal you know and how do we how do we actually you know set that apart like how how did you how, i mean you've just said that you know your signs were throbbing pains in the pelvis and you know i think that's what it, i'm trying to say really that you know it's a good idea if something isn't supposed to talk about it to actually for to other females and you might actually get your answer well you know that isn't no that's not normal I don't get that or yes I get that I think that is what I'm trying to say you know is that a way do you think that will help women that think they may have something wrong with them or just are walking basically without even knowing because I know a lot of females go undiagnosed with endometriosis don't they yeah, absolutely. So according to, you know, research, it's one in 10 women, but I think that because so many women go undiagnosed and because it also takes many years for a woman to get diagnosed, like she could be presenting symptoms, she could be going through several doctors and none of them know what's going on. Um, that number could be a lot higher. And I think that it has to start at a younger age too. We women, we start getting our periods when we're around the ages of 10 to, you know, 14. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember anyone having a conversation with me at that time telling me what to expect with my periods and what to not expect with my periods and what could be considered abnormal. I just got my period and, you know, I started wearing the sanitary napkins and the, mm -hmm. the tampons and so forth and just went about my, my life every every day and you know until the next period so yeah I didn't know that the, what the what I was experiencing was not normal another thing that I started experiencing around pre-puberty to once I started getting my period was um irritable bowel syndrome right. and that started really young for me yeah um you know trouble going to the bathroom a lot of discomfort having to take different medications to try and to go to the bathroom as well um that is a main contributing factor as well to the infl inflammation that occurs as a result of the disease. And if that's something that your child is dealing with at an early age, your, your young daughter, that's something to be concerned about. Okay, that's a great point that you've made there, because I would never have thought about saying that. And, and you know, I've got nieces and even even then it's not crossed my mind actually but again it goes back to what's normal and what's not normal and what to look out for and if we can you know educate and encourage mums to you know mothers to actually do that for their daughters then we could try and encourage to actually stop that reoccurring but 
the irritable bowel syndrome, I think, I mean, I struggled with that myself with obviously being diagnosed vendromediosis myself and um, polycystic ovaries as well. Um, and it's funny you say that actually my gynecologist, when he woke me up after my second operation, he, you know, we were looking at different parts of different stages of the endo. And he, you know, he did say, we didn't really find that much endometriosis this time, which is great. It means that the preventer that we inserted four years ago, which is the coil in my case to stop periods, because that's what they're trying to do. As you know, they're trying to stop your period because that will eliminate some endometriosis. So um, I remember my doctor saying, you know, it could well be a lot of irritable bowel syndrome causing a lot of the dull pains and the period like pains. So, I mean, it's really hard to separate that, isn't it? And what, what is pain and what is causing that? So what would you say? Yeah, I think that it could be a lot of different symptoms um, masking themselves as other conditions. And that's why it's so difficult to be diagnosed. Um, and also endometriosis will not come up on a sonogram, for example. For me and for a lot, a lot of other women, it came up because there was already a mass right. that, had, that had formed and that comes up on the sonogram. Um, other ways that it would come up would be maybe in an MRI scan or a CT scan, but that is why the main reason that doctors like to go in with a laparoscopic surgery is because they can actually go in and see with, with a microscope what mm -hmm. is happening with you internally. Um, some doctors like to be more conservative, um, and I've been working with several doctors over the years, all, all sorts of specialists, and some of them would say, I want to be more conservative. Others would say you need to have surgery and, you know, I want, I don't want to just go under the knife. I, I'm yeah. sure plenty of people don't want to just go under the knife for exploratory reasons. So yeah, the pain could be coming from a lot of different places. It's also really important to know that endometriosis is an inflammatory disease mm -hmm. and inflammation inherently causes pain. It's not just causing pain because your organ, you know, there's endome endometrial tissue that is adhesing to different parts of your organs. It's also creating a lot of scar tissue around your organs and causing the organs to, it becomes a very sticky environment and it causes the organs to start sticking together and functioning less, pro like mm -hmm. worse, you know? Yeah. So when your organs are not getting the mobility and the oxygen and the circulation that they need to function properly, they're going to start causing or create, they're going to start screaming, like I'm in pain, like I can't do what I need to do. And that could be a different source of pain as well. So there's a, there's a root cause mm -hmm. for it. And there's a diagnosis associated with it, but that can lead to a whole cascade of other negative effects. So it's really important to try to get the diagnosis as early as possible and also try to get it under control as early as possible. Well, it's it's good that you mentioned, you know, I wanted to delve into, I guess that's going to be my next question, what a lot of people will be thinking, how best to pain management, whether it's naturally or whether it's, you know, drugs. So how, how have you experienced controlling your pain? So I think, you know, I've been pretty unique and I don't know if it was a blessing or a curse where I haven't had this severe amount of pain where I couldn't get out of bed. Mm -hmm. So um, on the one hand, that's great because I can still function day to day. But on the other hand, um, I ended up with stage four endometriosis and didn't know. So, you know, toss up there. Um, 
was stage four too. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but otherwise I did experience other sorts of pain and particularly around the time of my period. So there are ways to manage the pain, both, you know, with alternative therapies and also with um, pharmaceuticals and drugs and surgery. It really just depends on what you think is best for you, but there are, you know, mm -hmm. pros and cons to each. So um, let's start with the traditional medical route. Yeah. So they say laparoscopic surgery is the gold standard for both uh, diagnosing and treating endometriosis. The reason being is like we mentioned, you can't always see the endometriosis present and even state, you know, there's different grades of pain and severity that people experience. Someone in stage one could be experiencing obscene amounts of pain. And someone in stage four, like myself, could be feeling very minimal amounts of pain. So yeah. it really depends on what that person's experience is with the diagnosis and with, with the endometriosis. Um, so that's why the doctors will go in uh, laparoscopically and try to clean it out and also make that diagnosis because they'll have to take a biopsy and confirm with the labs that it is endometrial cells that are present outside of the uterus. Yeah. If, you know, if you're working with an excision specialist and an endometriosis specialist who, who does this and is really, you know, good at their job, very likely they'll clean out all the endometriosis or at least 95% of it or, or more, and you should be okay. Mm -hmm. And then after that, a lot of times they'll put you on hormone therapy. So either the, you know, an IUD, the depot shot, um, or birth control or any other form of hormone suppression. Mm -hmm such as like a progesterone pill. Um, all of those have their own pros and cons as well. It can suppress the endometriosis, but I've also heard doctors say that it really helps with the pain, but it could also just mask the endometriosis and it can grow. For example, birth control yeah. has estrogen in it, low amounts of estrogen and progesterone. Um, and it's estrogen that feeds the endometriosis. So for me, after my first surgery, I was on birth control and a year later I got a sonogram and I ended up having cysts present on both ovaries this time. They were small, but I was still under hormone therapy mm -hmm. and they came back. So for me, it's really, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm not unique. I'm sure I've had other women have had very similar experiences, but I thought I was fine, but then the tests show otherwise. So everyone can have different experiences with their medication. Yeah. Um, and it really depends on what your goal is. You know, do you want to get rid of the pain or do you want to get rid of the endometriosis? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Endometriosis will not go away. It can cool. be very stubborn. Um, also with the hormones, they can have a lot of other negative side effects that could lead to weight gain, mood disorders, hair loss, hair growth in certain areas of the body, um, depression, all sorts of, you know, they could also increase your risk factor for cancers, certain reproductive health cancers or breast cancer, for example. So that's another, another thing to be mindful of. Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that's something that you need to talk about with your doctor and make sure that you're making the best decision for you. And that's why I say, you know, with my clients, you want to make sure that you're informed. The first time I was going through this, my doctor was like, this is what we're doing. We're having surgery. I'm putting you on the depot shot. And then you're going on birth control. And I followed her advice the whole way, you know, and then the more research I started doing, I was like, I'm putting so many crazy chemicals into my body and I'm getting sonograms and they're still coming back. So why am I doing this? Right. Absolutely. Why am I? Why am I hurting my body this way? 
Mm -hmm. In terms of the, um, do you want to get into the more alter alternative? Yeah, no, go for it. It's, this is great. You know, people are going to be loving this. I've got no doubt. <laughs> yeah. So I just like to caveat when it comes to alternative therapies yeah. and supplements that in the US, at least I know, you know, you're in the UK in the US, they're not um, FDA regulated or government regulated. So um, you can, you can tell me what it's like in where you are, but um, because of that, um, it's important to know that supplements also have the same, can have the same potency as some pharmaceutical drugs. Um, and so it's important to be very mindful and also do your, do your research when you're going to be taking a supplement re regimen, because mm -hmm. not only do they have their own um, level of potency, they could also have contraindications to any other medications that you might be taking. For example, vitamin E can be um, a blood thinner. If you're taking blood thinner medications and you don't want to be taking too much vitamin E because, you know, that could be affecting your medication even more and can cause hemorrhaging in the body. So you just want to be mindful of certain supplements that you're taking um, as it relates to everything else that you're doing as part of your medical treatment. Um, so in terms of what I've seen in the research, there are some very important things to consider as it relates to lifestyle and your personal um, you know, supplements and, and what you're consuming. So I'll start with one study that's actually talking about a probiotic and that's called Lactobacillus gasseri. And the number you should be looking for is OLL2809. Wow. And so I'm actually been looking that looking for that in like different yogurts and um, probiotics. And I think it's kind of rare, so I haven't seen it yet. But this is a probiotic that actually inhibits the development of ectopic endometrial cells in the peritoneal ca cavity mm -hmm. by activating the NK cells. And I know this is a little bit technical. No, no, it's awesome. So, you know, I'm sure people listening, you know, you've only got to, you, you know, this is great information and I'm sure their ears are going to be pricked up. So, you know, can continue. It's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. So, um, so the NK cells are an important part of our immune system, and that actually controls the growth of tumors and infections. And so if you get to the point in endometriosis where you have cysts, those are benign tumors. So this could be a very helpful um, additive to your diet, right? Like if you can find that in your probiotics or in your yogurts or any of your dairy products that you're eating, um, this could be very helpful in ma maintaining your endometriosis um, or reducing it altogether. Another thing, another supplement to look out for would be N-acetylcysteine or NAC. And that is actually um, a very important, there's been studies on this one, actually one recent study that um, was in 2017, an Italian study of 92 women used NAC as a treatment option for endometriosis as opposed to hormonal options. So if you're not, if you're not comfortable with the hormonal option for treatment of your endometriosis is something to consider because this helps, um, this actual supplement helps the body, uh, helps to produce the body's most powerful antioxidant, which is um, glutathione. Wow. And that supports um, liver function, respiratory function, um, as well. And, and I should also just as a side note, say that um, part of the main thing to consider when it comes to endometriosis is uh, liver function as well, because endometriosis occurs as a result of estrogen dominance in the body. And if your liver is not able to metabolize the hormones properly, then you have a high amount of estrogen circulating within your body, creating negative um, um, 
reproductive health effects such as endometriosis, PCOS, breast cancer, and other, um, other negative health outcomes. So this really helps with liver function. In this study in particular, and this is actually what I started doing as well, mm-hmm. um, they gave women 1800 milligrams of NAC mm-hmm. for uh, three times a week for three months. And what they actually found was that women's cysts started to reduce in size. Some women's cysts went away altogether and eight women in the study actually were able to get pregnant. Um, and several women were able to cancel their surgeries as well. So this had a lot of positive effects on, mm-hmm. on their endometriosis um, and could be a very successful alternative treatment um, to surgery and to, you know, for women who are more concerned, conservative and more concerned about, you know, their well-being, especially for women, you don't want to have too many surgeries. So if you're already on your third surgical option, you might want to consider this first. Yeah, no, no, it's great. I think a lot of women will be, you know, definitely open to be trying this. I mean, do you feel that, you know, I'd have to research, research this myself and I'm, I'm going to take all the details and I will put it in the in the description box so they can access and almost copy and paste it, if you like. And mm-hmm. um, do you feel that this could well be available in the UK as well? Or is it just, you know, something that is not is not available to us? just for the purpose of the listeners, I, if I was listening to this, I would probably think, is that available to me in the UK? The actual, the supplement? Yeah. I believe so. I think it's definitely in on Amazon. If you can right. purchase it and get it from there, you can buy it on Amazon. It's in all the health food stores here in the US. So I would imagine that it's, it would be available to you in the UK as well. It's, it's an over-the-counter supplement. Yeah, awesome. I'm sure plenty of listeners will, will you know, be happy that, you know, we can get a hold of that supplement because I would definitely be purchasing some. (laughs) Yeah. And I can definitely share a list of these different studies that I've come across with you. So you could share with the audience as well. And, um, they, you know, you could look for these supplements and these, and these items, um, and also speak with your doctor if you want to get their opinion. Yeah. Much appreciated. They're going to be, you know, happy. And I mean, uh, you know, depends on what stage they're at, like you say, depend on what pain management they're taking, you know, I guess if they're in that much pain, they'll try anything. And you know, what you've just reeled out there, I wouldn't even read the research. I would just go and get, it. Um, you know, someone like yourself has gone and took your time and you've also trialed and tested it as well. Did you say? Yeah, which is just more, you know, comforting and gives them more confidence to go out and buy, buy that supplement just to give it a try. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, I mean, you, it, it's been quite nice because it's been a flowing conversation with all the questions, obviously that I did have um, for you, you've pretty much answered. Um, we did chat off air about um, medical experts and how frustrated you have been um, with your doctors. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that? Because I think the audience will really appreciate, you know, getting, you know, you know what it's like. You go to your doctor and you get the knockback. And I mean, my first process um, started in 2016 and I didn't get operated on till 2017 after trying all what you've just spoke about hormonal after actually convincing the doctor that I was in that much pain. It was, it was, it was spoiling my lifestyle. You know, I'm in sport and fitness. So my job was to, you know, actually take part in physical exercise. So living with endometriosis at that time was 
really painful for me every single day. So, you know, that, that was just the, the living side of obviously with the endometriosis. So, um, you know, what would you, what would you advise? And, and, you know, speaking of doctors and professionals, would you advise them to, you know, knock at the door all the time, push them? Um, how would you go about that? I, yeah, I think that, you know, judging by my own experience um, and having gone through the health system several times, um, not just with my own condition, but also, you know, you have family or friends who go through health uh, issues as well. Mm-hmm. You really have to be your own patient advocate. Um, you have to understand that although the doctors are experts and then you have, you know, I have full respect for the medical community, it is also their business to to do, you know, to, to provide the medical treatment according to their expertise. So mm-hmm. I went to the first time I went to, um, the, I was going through this endometrial process, endometriosis process that, uh, the doctor, um, you know, everything happened so fast and the doctor was very quick to do the surgery and I had trust in her and I thought that she was doing the right thing. And I'm sure she, and I, I believe that she did. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, she didn't give me enough time to really do my due diligence. I was also a lot younger and I didn't really understand what the disease was. And I also thought that, you know, she was going to fix me. Um, You know, being 24, I was naive. This was my first time going through a health crisis and going, you know, through surgery. So I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. Um, There was also not that much research available. A lot of the research that I've been that I shared with you today, um, you know, are, is fairly recent and happened after my surgery. So I didn't have this available. Of course. Um, I think that, you know, afterwards, when I started experiencing endometriosis again, I went through maybe four different doctors before, you know, and all of them, most of them told me I needed surgery again. Um, and I didn't want to go through that again, because their outcomes for me were, you know, we're going to have to maybe remove a tube, we might have to remove an ovary, we might have to, you know, do all sorts of things. And then we're going to basically reduce your fertility to only being able to conceive through IVF, which has a very low conception rate in itself, just inherently. So I didn't want that to be my future. And I didn't want to put my future in the hands of doctors without knowing for sure, you know, that that was the best an only option for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a personal choice. And I think that that, you know, I had to have a lot of very strong conversations with myself, which is what I would advocate for other people in this situation or any other kind of situation. You have to, you have to do what's right for you and have that conversation with yourself first, before you have the conversation with your doctor, because the first three, I went to like maybe three or up to four doctors. I think the first three doctors said you have to have surgery, but some said, this will be your outcome. You'll have outcome A, Second doctor said outcome B. Third doctor said outcome C. Fourth right. doctor said, and this was a reproductive endocrinologist said, um, I would advise against the surgery because it will actually negatively affect not just your fertility, but also your internal organs, like your intestines and your bladder and your, you know, all the organs that are in that pelvic cavity. And I said, well, why didn't any of the surgeons say that to me? Like, why are they telling me that I need to have surgery and that, you know, they should rush me onto the operating table. And so she said, um, well, surgeons will always try to prescribe surgery. That's what they do. That's their expertise. Yeah. So again, you know, it really depends on your situation. I, again, wasn't feeling the same amount of pain to that severity level that other women describe and experience. So whatever it is that you think is best for you is what I would tell you. But 
one of the reasons that I do what I do today is um, because I want to help people with chronic issues, chronic health issues, and I'm very intimately aware with endometriosis. It's because you have to have the information first. And a lot of times the doctors don't have enough time to spend with you during their um, during your appointment with them mm-hmm. to explain to you the full understanding of what your condition is, what your options are, what the research is saying, um, you know, and how it can affect your life. Like mm-hmm. this is an acute situation and they're part of your life for only a certain amount of time. But what about thereafter? What about the future that you had in mind the whole time? Like wanting to have kids or wanting to conceive naturally or whatever it is that's right for you. So that's why I would say when it comes to you know, getting your diagnosis, I would say do your research first, get very intimately aware with of your condition and really try to see how this will factor into your lifestyle as a whole mm-hmm. um, so that you can make the best possible decision with the most information you have at the time. Yeah, that's amazing advice and you couldn't put it better myself, Laura. So before we leave, I just wanted to ask a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure people are definitely going to be wanting to, they're probably, you know, listening to this thinking have I got endometriosis and you know hopefully that I mean we are trying to raise that awareness so what would you say are the main signs and symptoms of endometriosis so the main signs and symptoms to look out for um if you're if you're not sure but you think you might have it because then you could be very sure and still not be diagnosed um, the, the main symptoms to look out for would be uncomfortable periods, really heavy periods. Also look at your periods, um, when you're wiping or when you're, you know, on your, looking at your, changing your sanitary napkin. If you notice blood clots, like, um, thick blood clots there, that, um, is a sign of a hormonal imbalance. Uh, so that's, that's a big sign as well. Mm-hmm. You're experiencing IBS or any sort of digestive problems that could be a contributing factor. Mm-hmm. Bloat, heavy bloating, back pain, um, nausea, mood disorders and mood swings, um, especially if it's associated with your period during the time of your period. Um, if you're feeling pain, discomfort or anything like that, that is um, a huge red flag and should be some, is something to be concerned about and definitely go and have that checked out. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So it brings me to an end. Um, but honestly, thank you so much for coming on. But before we leave, um, I want, you know, I want to get people onto your profile to check you out because it is, you know, your profile is really cool. You speak about all different things. And I think people will get some great value from your page. So where can people find you on social media, Laura? So the best place to find me right now would either be on Instagram or YouTube mm-hmm. um, so that, and I am at Island C Yoga across all social media. So that's I-L-Y-N-S-I Yoga. Um, Instagram is where I just post like daily inspiration and, you know, you can follow me behind the scenes. Um, YouTube is actually where I share um, some helpful meditations, um, some guided meditations to really help balance you and, and help you just kind of tap into your inner self, but also sharing some really helpful in-depth tips like we did today about a particular health issue. I have a video on um, endometriosis there right now. So if, you know, those are the, probably the best two ways to, to find me. Um, and then I do have a website that will be coming up soon and that's um, www.islandcyoga.com. So. Wow. Well, there you go. <laughs> go out and find Laura. She's full of tips and education as well, but it's definitely been an educational episode for me as well, because I think that's a strong point that 
you know, you can never know everything, you know, like you say, everybody is so different. So my message to, to you guys, if you feel, you know, you have any signs or symptoms or you think you've got, you know, you could well have endometriosis, we definitely would recommend, you know, you go and see a health professional um, and start, you know, the process. And if you need any help, of course, get in touch with either myself or get in touch with Laura and we'll be happy, you know, to, to help, of course. So thank you, Laura, for coming on. Hopefully we'll be able to do ep another episode if you, you wouldn't mind coming on. I'm sure we've got plenty more to speak about. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, awesome. So I will leave you now. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. And I will speak to you soon.